0: Hey there, friends and listeners. Just here with a quick disclaimer before the episode starts. At about 40 minutes in, we had a weird technical glitch um, that... Put an echo on about 50 minutes of the show. Um, I tried to get rid of it, filled with it as much as I could, and I think I made it more listenable. But it's definitely still there. Sorry about that. Hope it's not too distracting. Um, And uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Sometimes, dead is better. Like us, the Pod Boys. I'm the stony soil of a man's heart, Batiste Van Rossum. I'm the bus that hit Pascal, Ben Sheets.
1: I'm regretting my intro. Uh, Cleveland Mosier. <laughs> <laughs> the cat man. Ooh, let's not.
0: <laughs> we back, and uh, we're doing another... Uh, original versus remake, and we're talking Pet Cemetery today. Enough of the pussy footing around. We're just gonna jump right on in.
1: Oh, I get it. Cats.
0: You found the joke. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> <Woo>! Thanks. <laughs> I'm honored. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start with the original Pet Cemetery. Came out in 1989, directed by Mary Lambert, based on the uh, 1985, I believe, novel by Stephen King. Um, I might be slightly off on that year. It details the story of a man and his family who moved to upstate Maine and discover that in the woods behind their house, there is a uh, pet cemetery and further beyond a uh, mysterious power that brings the dead back to life. Indian burial ground. This is a a Stephen King film adaptation, which uh, sometimes are very bad, sometimes pretty good. Um, In preparation for this episode, I did read the book, as I want to do, a little over a month ago. The screenplay is by Stephen King. And Stephen King was on set for
2: the whole time with this, and he demanded that the script was followed very strictly.
0: Um, and uh he even he even has a brief little cameo as a, as a priest, looking like a total dweeb. I mean, Stephen <laughs> King has always looked like a dweeb and still looks like a dweeb. Um, but he writes some scary stuff. In terms of faithfulness to the novel, this film is is pretty close. Uh, like I would expect, considering that Stephen King adapted it himself, I don't think that all of the stuff from the book translates super well into film. Um, I think that that's sort of a thing with Stephen King film adaptations. I think a lot of the time when the films are sort of found wanting in comparison to the book, it's it's because that he has a very particular style of writing that is um, very like inner monologue heavy and flow of consciousness. And high concept. And high concept. I mean, that's a big problem, yeah. Well, one thing, thing I was that, wondering I about is how long
2: is the book, roughly?
0: About five hundred pages, I think. It's not super long. That's still a lot to pack into one movie, you know? Yeah. Stephen King is uh is not a brief writer by any means. No. <laughs> Most of his stuff is pretty long. And Pet Cemetery is not as long as it, um, which is over True. a thousand pages, but uh You know, it's it's still it's still a bit of a read. I do know that Pet Cemetery is what Stephen King believes is the scariest book he's ever written, or at least the one that scared him the most. It hit him very close to home in a lot of ways, uh, to the extent that when he wrote his first draft, he uh, like put it away in a desk drawer for several years and was like, I can't publish this. It's too spooky. And then uh, he was under contract with his publisher, and he was changing publishers, and they're like, well, we still need one more book from you. You're still under contract for, for one more book. And he's like, okay, fuck it, whatever. And he got out Pet Cemetery and, and released it. And uh, the rest is history. It's one of his uh, most famous novels. Well, I think conceptually, it's one of his scariest works, just because the ideas
2: behind it yeah. are very real- in a way, sort of Lovecraftian, in that, like, it's, like, something beyond almost a mind virus at times, in a way. Well,
0: yeah, Stephen, Stephen King does that a lot. I, I know that one of his biggest problems with Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining is that Kubrick did not faithfully adapt that the hotel itself is the evil presence hey. in the story. In, in, you know, Kubrick's Shining, the hotel is just haunted, uh, whereas in the novel, it is like a, it is a, a sentient presence, the evil of the hotel um and in in the same way that the micmac burial ground in pet cemetery is also a sort of sentient evil force or more specifically the the wendigo that resides there which is something that this film does not really get into at all i'm kind of glad it doesn't Because I don't think it had the time to flesh that out. I agree, but I also think that they did try to do certain things that they did in the book uh, relating to the Wendigo that just fall really flat because they just feel thrown in and don't have any explanation. Like, later in in the film, when he's going back to the the pet cemetery with with his son's body, he hears, like, the ground shaking and, like, a roar and, like, that tree falls. Or, like, when he sees that weird face, like, materialize out of the darkness and then just disappear and it's never addressed at all. That was weird. Yeah, that's that's stuff that is is much more fleshed out in the book and is an actual thing and is part of the Wendigo uh, aspect that is just totally glossed over in the film. So I wish that if they were going to completely abandon that pretty large plot point that they would have abandoned it completely rather than throwing in those weird little things that don't make any sense if you haven't read the book. I think besides the face, which was kind of weird, it's very minor... And it's yeah. like, as
2: someone who hadn't read the book before, I didn't think much of it. You
0: know? I think because it, it keeps on at a at a quick enough pace that it doesn't leave you too much time what? to think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I remember the first time I watched it before I read the book, and I was just like, what the fuck is that? And then it, it I immediately forget about it. But you know, it does give me pause, especially the face. Yeah. One of the things I really
2: like about this version of the, the story, this adaptation, is how mundane the tone is a lot of times. You know, it's not yeah emphasizing its darkness too transparently. Like, the things that happen in it are very dark at times. But, like, it keeps, like, a pretty normal color palette. And, like, it goes for, like, a true to earth type of feel a lot of times i
0: i wonder how much of that was was uh in stephen king's script as well because that's something that he does very well as a writer oh absolutely is that he has evil and horror encroaching on very average, like mundane, like you said, situations and people. His characters are almost always heavily flawed. They feel really real. He does the inner monologue thing super well. Uh, I think uh, in a lot of movies they do not capture Stephen King's characters very well. Uh, I think I think uh, Kubrick does a pretty good job in The Shining. We might as well get it out of the way that the acting in uh, in Pet Cemetery is not great it is very bad (laughs) i would say there are there are two performances that i i think are are legitimately good and the rest is anywhere from subpar to just downright terrible yes i think fred gwynn as uh Judd Crandall is great. Yeah, he does. He's, he's an my he's my job. favorite. Brad Greenquist, who plays Victor Pascal, he, is also really good. He almost gave off like an
2: Anthony Michael Hall vibe. And this movie came out in the late eighties too. But I think it's his his weird get up with like the, the, the short short the jogging shorts. Yeah.
0: That's something that's very specific specifically drawn from the book oh, is his really? red his red jogging shorts we kept making comments about how bad dale midkiff is as the as Ooh, lewis green man. it's um uh, the protagonist it's awful i i don't think it bothered me as much as it bothered y'all but it, he's he's extremely flat yeah. he does not emote well at all and i think that it works well for like after Gage is hit by the truck and he's supposed to be in like shock and grief, the flatness works really well. The problem is all of the lead up to that. He's also extremely flat and yeah, weird
1: and kind of dark. Like, yeah, even then, like, he's got kind of like a, oh, I'm, uh, I'm a spooky dad. You know, just, and it was like,
2: uh, you know, a cardboard cutout performance.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. he did There's
2: not no emote at all. Like, no He's very flat. It, it felt almost Garth Marenghi esque in a weird, amateurish way that didn't match the tone of
0: the movie at
2: all. Yeah, um, I
0: agree. I, I think that this movie is is very hokey in a lot of ways and i think that for people who are really fans of like Stephen King's writing might find that frustrating At this point, I've just kind of come to accept it and try to enjoy it for what it is. The made for TV 1990 It film is the same way that if you try to hold it up in comparison to the book, you're going to have a really bad time. But if you enjoy it for like the really bad acting and like the super schlocky, dumb set pieces, I, you know, I think it can uh, be fun. Fantastic Tim Curry performance. I do not think that Pet Cemetery reaches those depths. I no. think I think it's I think it is a pretty solid film. Well, yeah, and it has a lot going for it. You know,
2: the 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 concept is excellent. The effect work is really is pretty good.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: I, I I loved the the practical and special effects in this movie. Primarily the practical effects. Oh I mean, yeah, like up until they, the final sequence. Like but we'll when, get
0: to that. When they bring in uh Victor Pascal uh after he's been Uh, You know, hit by the car. I, I really like that transition because it's like Lewis is going into his first day of work. You know, he's just started a job as like the head physician at like the University of Maine at like the clinic. So he's, he you know, he's moved from Chicago to a much quieter existence, you know, dealing with, you know, sick college students and, you know, probably some some venereal diseases and stuff like that. And he's leaving for work. And uh, his wife says something like not so much as a nosebleed today or something like that. And then it like smash cuts into. Like, Victor Pascal's, like, crushed head and, like, his brain oozing blood and, like, throbbing. And there's, like, 40 of his classmates, like mobbed around right carrying carrying him him into the into the clinic so i think that that cut is really effective and it's the first time we really get a taste of like violence in the film and like blood and gore and i think that those effects still hold up really really well oh yeah they hold up excellently and i think the way that scene was played
2: out was really excellent too we'll get into it more when we talk about the new one but i Think it works better in this version. Much
0: that that character is utilized um. much more effectively and much more true to the book. Um, I I, com- I think he's a, a very comparable character to the friend in uh American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Who gets yeah. mauled by the werewolf at the beginning and he is sort of like this this uh ghostly presence that's like haunting the protagonist but is trying to help him. That's what, what Pascal is he, uh, he, you know, comes back as a ghost to Lewis and is like, you tried to help me, so I'm going to try to help you. And, you know, he leads him out to the Pet Cemetery in the middle of the night and points at the deadfall. And he's like, the barrier isn't meant to be broken. The ground is sour. You know, don't go beyond the barrier, which is a, a great setup because you know that there's not going to be a film if he doesn't go beyond the barrier. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Chekhov's I, I barrier. Right. Exactly. Chekhov's dead. Deadfall. Um, it's, it, yeah, I, I think it's great. And to have Pascal be set up as like an early uh, suggestion of the supernatural, which I think makes what happens in the rest of the film a lot more believable as well, because you already know that there's uh, some supernatural force at work here. And the thing I like about Pascal a lot in his representation in this movie is
2: he's a scary looking character, but he doesn't see himself as a scary character.
0: No, he's 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 helping. Yeah, he's he's helping the characters. He's he's not an antagonistic character at all. I think that changes in the new one, which we'll get
2: into a little bit more. I I like that juxtaposition because, again, it makes it feel more mundane and not grim dark. Yeah, no, Um, I I balances it out really well. One of the other effects that I really liked in this movie quite a bit was the uh, the wife, Janice Crosby. Yeah, she has a she used to have a sister who had uh, spinal meningitis. Yeah, and they have a couple of flashback scenes with her going to feed her essentially dying dying sister. sister.
0: Yeah, and I found those scenes to be. Horrifying. I think those I those are some of the really really yeah. I, I think those I, I are felt, some of the creepiest in the movie. I
1: think I think that the idea of them was and okay. So I felt they became creepier. I think the 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 first sequence with it. I think it ended. and I said I, I kind of felt so sort of long lines. It, it felt like very haunted housey overly dramatized almost like the the way the sister um sort of has like that that heavy makeup and is very acting very spooky well like, I, the, think... I think there's like the the music is very spooky and like she goes into the room but but as as the sequence progresses and when you, we learn the backstory behind it and like we reveal how the sister dies that changed for me but i, I, I did think... feel like that opening see sequence i was i didn't really feel like it was too overly
0: haunted house. Like she looks gaunt and jaundiced, but she's not like It's but it's also from I think it's also fine for me because it's from the perspective of a child. Yes. It's a flashback From it's a flashback from the perspective of a child, uh, you know, of her as like an eight year old being left alone in the house with her dying sister who has sort of been like shoved into a back bedroom and sort of forgotten about because The family doesn't want to, like, acknowledge that horrible reality. So, you know, she's having to go and feed her twisted... Bitter, dying sister, who is also, you know, uh, a a young a young person. In in the book, she is also a child. Um, in the in both films, they age her up a little bit. But I think that having it being retold from the perspective of like an eight year old girl, I don't have a problem with it being dramatized and like extra spooky because it would make sense that the mind of a child would warp this thing that's already you know pretty horrible and in the stark, you know, light of day into something that is, you know, even more exaggeratedly scary. I think it's a solid justification. I do think that both of the films are are a little bit light on the development of of Zelda and Rachel's relationship with her because the book really gets into the nitty-gritty of that stuff like how bitter towards Rachel Zelda is because Rachel is healthy and how it got to the point that she was like purposely pissing and shitting her bed so that they would have to, like, clean it up, and that she was, like, as as she, you know, as the disease progressed and she was getting closer and closer to death, she really started to behave more like a monster, too. And because of having to deal with that at an early age, that Rachel is, like very traumatized by the idea of death. It's why she doesn't want to talk about death. It's why she doesn't like it when uh, young Ellie is asking Lewis about death and, like, why do animals die sooner and stuff, and that Lewis is... He's a doctor, you know? So he's giving her a very straightforward, unbiased scientific approach, like, what life and death is, and that's why that bothers Rachel so much. And I don't think either of the films really get into that as much as they should it just kind of makes her seem more like a nagging bitch of a wife like why are you telling our daughter about death bebebe and i think it's it's kind of a bad look i felt like
1: it came out better in the the modern one um really my, i feel the opposite i i feel i feel that way because um the the monologue over the top of those scenes as well in the 80s version i also felt was very deadpan um, and I didn't get much like like a emotion or like and that, sound that, bad that acting, dampened yeah. it. These scenes are supposed to be painted by by her recounting of it, you right? Know? And like and that's that's you know spoken over the top of all of it. And when it's delivered flatly, it it frames it so poorly. Whereas I felt in the new one, once or twice, I've I've spoken to people who've recounted something like traumatic, you know, that's affected them like like deeply or recently, and like I, you get those those same ticks and you know like trembles and pauses in those yeah, places and it I, felt very it felt very genuine to me and yeah. well acted it was definitely better acted in the
2: new one i did feel like it was a little over the top in comparison but we'll get into that
0: yeah i i do have some i do the, have some thoughts on that one. when we get to the new one um, but let's let's focus on the, I, the original I, the thing i
2: really love about the effects of zelda is how almost uncanny valley it feels at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Like, she looks so close to human. Yeah. Yet it's like, She's gaunt and jaundiced, and like it feels
1: wrong. Her when you makeup, look at her. like, it's has like excellent. a weird, like, like stretched lip sort of. Yeah, mask yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I thought I really, that was. I thought it was great. I
0: thought that was good too, and like the the makeup effects, like on her back as well. Oh, it's uh, awesome! Yeah, and they they that carried over very well into the new one as well. But like, it's. I think it's it's obviously not too paint like any sort of terminal illness as as like making turning people into monsters but in this case it's thematically it's thematically relevant that rachel perceives her dead sister as a monster and i think that she looks very much like that, and to have her be sort of as the film progresses more and more haunted by Zelda as well mm-hmm. as as sort of like a, a ghostly antagonistic presence, even though there's not literally a ghost of Zelda, but it's it's also sort of like the evil of the burial ground and the Wendigo, you know, just kind of like seeping into everything. It, it, you know, it, it's bringing up that past trauma. I think it's I think mm-hmm. it's great, and I i agree with you ben i think that that is some of the 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 stuff with zelda is some of the more horrifying stuff in the movie and i think that has aged to continue to be more horrifying because some of the stuff and we'll get into the the very end but that shit is is corny as fuck it is so hokey
2: yeah i i think it translates really well and it's really excellently done and somehow it Surpasses the bad acting to just stay,
1: yeah, uh, good to this day, which is great. I I think so. Like especially like the discovery sequence. And another thing I did, the thing I did like about it was uh the the husband's response after uh after her recounting, where like of, of her discovering her sister dead um, and her feeling was sort of responsible for it. Is yeah. him, him saying the the absolute thing that was going through my mind, which was like. No, you were an eight-year-old child like, like why your, did they leave you alone with left your, left your you dying with, you know, with, which sister Which yeah. like cool like backstory for the parents and why we shouldn't like them <laughs> like yeah dude very,
2: Which parents suck yeah, yeah we get even further
0: in uh at, yeah at gage's funeral yeah. when when uh rachel's what? dad straight up blames lewis for For Gage's death and beats and start and starts like punching and kicking him (laughs) in front of everyone and knocks the like casket off and almost opens it. Yeah, and then how how somebody comes up to mm -hmm. to Lewis and is like, "Get a hold of yourself." It's like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, like, "What's wrong with you?" Get a hold of yourself, bitch! My father in law just attacked me and blamed me for the death of my son at his funeral and knocked my son coffin onto the floor and i'm the the one who needs to get a hold of myself it
1: makes literally no sense in the sequence like like the the father-in-law like walks up to him starts screaming at him and then like beats him a couple of times and then like falls back and knocks over the thing yeah like like the and then the husband falls over and like someone is picking him up when the guy walks up to the husband and is like what are you doing? And it's like he was standing there. He did literally nothing. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. Like, what was that in the movie? He I is don't not. Get in the,
0: it. He is not in the wrong in that situation I, at all. I was very confused. Well, I think we should maybe use that as a segue into uh, talking about how Pet Cemetery is a film that does not shy away from child death. No. Um, which I think a lot of things are scared to do and I think that's part of the reason why Stephen King considered it like his scariest work as he lays out in the foreword to the book that I was reading he and his wife moved with their like young daughter and infant son to, like, uh, a country house in Maine while he was working, like, teaching at the university, and that it was a, a a route for, like, trucks from a chemical company that would just blaze down the road way too fucking fast, and, uh, and that his daughter's cat got killed, and uh, that he always thought, like, shit if i don't keep an eye on like my my infant son like he could toddle out into the road and get fucking smoked by a truck and like that is what Pit C- pet cemetery is like that is the central plot and i mean even if you you remove all of
1: the supernatural elements from that film just the very the idea of burying your child in a pet cemetery Yeah, is wretched, like is is a is a wretched idea that this is all the fucking chills. Yeah, it's terrifying and and hard, hard to watch.
0: Yeah, especially like, angry, I mean, the, I the kid, the kid is really cute, too. And we get so much stuff of, you know, like the kid being adorable and even the scene like when he dies, like right before when they're flying, when he's flying the kite, you know, and it's like super heartwarming and cute. And then they turn their back for a second and he runs out into the road like right as this big fucking 18 wheeler is blazing down the highway, you know, just fucking flattens him. I like how it feels almost random too.
2: Yeah. Um like there's no inciting thing that makes him really run into the road besides, you know, dropping the kite. Yeah,
0: he the the kite is blowing away and he's sort of following it into the road. Yeah. Um I like how
2: mundane that feels. You know, it really makes it feel less sinister and more like of a shock when it happens, I think. Yeah. Um, which I think is excellent, I think both of the kids do a really solid job in terms of acting. Child actors tend to ham it up and overact
0: the daughter doesn't the daughter doesn't do a whole lot for me. The little boy is. Is pretty good, but I think it's just because he's probably he's naturally cute. There's not much in terms of acting. Uh, like some of the stuff when he come, you know, when he comes back from the dead at the end and becomes a, a little monster is is kind of fucking corny. But it's also like kind of <laughs> how do you how do you turn such like a cute angelic little boy into <laughs> into a, a demon essentially? Well, I
2: mean, I think I think the scene where he kills the neighbor. Oh, when he Jud. kills Judge, Jud, yeah, yeah, is pretty excellent. I agree. You know, I think him taking the scalpel, yeah, being hidden under the bed, uh and the effects on that are really great too. I thought the uh the scalpel cuts Oh, into or, the tendon, yeah, yeah it was, cutting his mouth? Achilles tendon. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was
1: well, very well The, the gore effects in this movie, yeah, like, great. Are, are great, yeah, really the board. great. And
2: the aftermath shot we get of Judd after the fact, when after we he's see been him eaten and a you little can bit, see it, like, yeah, his teeth and yeah. like jaw just His split jaws, lit open well. man one of
0: the it's one horrifying. of the things that i i do wish that both movies addressed a little bit better and the the remake does it somewhat in the book essentially any anything that's buried in in the the Mac Mac burial ground is is like possessed by the Wendigo is essentially what it's supposed to be So in the book, when the kid comes back and he goes and, like, interacts with Judd, he's, like, talking and saying, like, really vile shit, like, your wife is getting ass-fucked in hell and shit like that. And, I mean, obviously, I understand how they couldn't have a child saying that in in the new movie, but I think that in the book, like, that's what such a great image is, like, this, you know, this little boy just, like, speaking with the voice of of a monster, you know, just saying, like, really horrible, vile shit. I wish that there was a little bit more of that. I think it would have made that a little bit more visceral. I
2: don't know, man. I kind of like how
0: when they were brought back in this this
2: movie, they almost feel, like, lifeless and zombie-esque in a lot of ways. It didn't do anything for me.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't know if I I agree with that. I I think in this one there's a little bit too much of like disembodied like child's laughter oh, that God, is yeah. such such that like a weird. just such like that. a like a horror movie trope of like it's the rough, the perversion yeah. of innocence. You know the creepy kid thing, and and I think that uh, it's a zombie. Yeah, like I I think that some, I here. think that some of that is a little bit too too goofy with like the the disembodied child laughter and the like it
1: was it was taking me straight up out of it like it was the film had really grabbed me with like the the sequence after gabe had died and like i was i was so struck and terrified by like this this concept of like this small like innocent child coming back and being this like horrible monster is like it's it's quite quite spooky and it, right. it and it I, I was i was there for it and i was ready is all i'm saying and the film took that away from me and that feeling of fear by when we started getting the canned children's laughter and sort of the hokier the hokier elements and Whoa. i and i think it it kind of it kind of dropped the the hammer on his foot
0: at the at the end of the the confrontation at the end where where uh lewis you know injects in you know injects like a fatal dose of morphine into the into the kid and the and the first thing out of his mouth is no fair like it's (laughs) it's funny it made me laugh and like in in the context of like the hokiness of the film i think that that's really great but it's like it's it takes the spookiness out of it. Yeah you know I, I think that I think that what makes the concept horrifying is that a parent is willing to exhume the corpse of their child, bury it in a wretched place, and it come back as the as the vessel for like something ancient and evil and cruel well, you know i think that that's that's what that's what makes it spooky about yeah, the concept absolutely. and to just have it be like a, a like an evil little kid it just but still be a child i think it makes it, it makes it less interesting and less scary it's fun it's definitely more fun like that that scene where they're fighting and it's obviously just like a, a grown man pretending to wrestle with like to wrestle a doll. A doll. It's yeah. it's fucking hilarious. It's it's yeah. there, really, is a, there is
1: a bit where like it comes out of the attic and they literally just throw like someone off camera throws a
0: doll. At them. It's, it's it's really bad. funny. <laughs> it's it's bad. It's really funny. But if you're going into this movie looking for scary and not funny, then it doesn't work at like, all. It doesn't work at all. It's such
1: a weighty the weighty concept. Like and to. To make me laugh at that?
0: Like, ah. Pretty insufferable execution. Like, like, just, yeah, just I mean at that. Yeah. T- that at that point there's been enough hokiness that like I'm willing to I'm willing to drop the the serious pretensions of this movie and just in just enjoy the schlockiness. But I agree with you that trying to take it from a serious perspective, uh it it just it doesn't work. Especially no. when we
1: can see how we in the, the previous sequence when when it kills Judd, like it can be done. It yeah, can, yeah, like, yeah. No, I think
0: I think that game. sequence is done really yeah. well. I do think it's very cool what they did in this movie when uh Lewis comes over to the house after Judd and Rachel have been killed and he walks in and the house is like all overgrown with like moss and branches and yeah. leaves and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So great. it's like it's like the woods have like invaded the house, like the power of the woods have invaded the house. I thought that was a very cool touch. Yeah, and that's something that's not in the book. Like, I just thought that that was that was really excellent yeah, visually,
2: it's subtle too. Yeah, wasn't too over the top.
1: Yeah, the the like the psychedelia or like the dream like sequences, the sort of like playing at reality is interesting to look at in both movies uh, for sure. That was one aspect of it I, I did very much like. Honestly, I loved I loved the set dressing across the board. I thought like the circular pet cemetery and stuff. Yeah, it was all it was all very artificial. It was all very dressed but it was dressed well. It was, you know, it was it was well crafted. Frankly,
0: um, I I I think it's I think that stuff is dressed better in this film than than in the than in the remake. Oh, I agree. Um and we, we won't get too heavily into that right now, but I do think that in this film the the pet cemetery and the the Mic-Mac burial ground both look great. I, I think the Mi'kmaq burial ground is cool too, especially we get those those aerial shots of like the yeah. the stone rings with like all of the cairns and stuff. It looks ritualistic. It looks sort of a, a cult a little bit. Yeah we don't get that overhead like no. shot in in the the new one. Yeah.
1: And I agree. I, I, I yeah I, agree, I, I think like I the... think
0: that stuff is great. I do think what is weird is that like a lot of the stuff in this movie uh just like happens in the daytime. Which in the book it all happens at night, like when when they first go out to the 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 Micmac burial ground to bury the cat when it first dies. That's just in the daytime. I, when he goes when he goes to the fucking graveyard to dig up his son, that's just in the daytime. I love that all of that is set <laughs> I, in the daytime. I thought that honestly. was so weird. I I love that because like I said, it feels
2: more mundane because of that you know if it was all set at night it'd be oh dark and spooky but like
0: maybe maybe for the for burying the cat i think it's okay but i well i mean in the book part of like the trip out to the McMac burial ground which feels a lot longer in the book because it's like three or four miles away from the house. So they're just like trudging through the woods and at night. And, you know, there's a lot of like psychological stuff going on Uh, in the movie. Like, okay. Saying that during the day is fine. But like when he goes to the graveyard with like a, a shovel and like a spade to dig up, his the body of his son in the daytime that feels weird because where like there there would be people like Mm. people could people could see him doing this and there's there's something the
2: cops drive by
0: right and there's and there's something there's something that i think is is extremely raw about like having to steal away into a cemetery in the dark of night to to exhume the the body of your like three-year-old son because you're gonna take him out to the woods and bury him in a cursed indian burial ground right well it's it's a
1: it's sort of a frankenstein reversal right exactly the the stereotype of like a grave robber is like oh the bad person is going in to you know to rob graves in the middle of the night and finding a good person like like forced into that position is is fascinating. And I, I think that it being at night, like, helps sort of emphasize that.
2: The fact that he's so broken that he doesn't even feel like he he can wait until the nighttime is what does it for
1: me, I think. I, I would agree if it wasn't for the fact that, like, pe- people would be walking around in the daytime. Like, world-building-wise, like, w- what would have stopped him from getting caught? Like, just like... I mean,
2: he almost does. He doesn't care, though. You know, the cops drive by...
0: You know, I think one of the great things in the book, though, is him the day before, like leading up to him going to rob the grave, and him like having to continually convince himself that he's doing the right thing. You know, having been warned by Judd, sometimes dead is better. You know, and that that whole monologue, and to be like, Judd told me about a time that burying a person there went wrong and bad, but like. I You know, maybe it'll be different this time, and him going to, like, a motel and, like, spending the day there just, like, waiting for night to fall and being like, am I doing the right thing? Yeah, I am. Am I doing the right thing? Maybe not. But, yeah, I am. Like, I think that 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 is what would have been nicer to see rather than him just going to the graveyard in the daytime. But, I mean, that's, you know... That that's something that I'm getting from having access to the source material yeah, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's not necessarily like a, a fair, yeah. a fair critique. What I what I do want to talk about is the ending because I think that it's so thematically strong. Yes, that when he you know finally puts down Gauge and you know burns down Judd's house, he still takes Rachel's body and takes her out to the cemetery to bury her because and he rationalizes it by she's still fresh she's still fresh she just died if i bury her she'll come back okay and it's like that he's seen with the cat and then with gage and like he has seen that this is wrong but he's still so overcome with grief and being acted on by this all powerful evil force the, the that, it's still, that it still draws him back out there to do it. And we still see him at the very end. You know sitting at home waiting for Rachel to come back and when she does and she's her face is just ruined and she's like leaking 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 pus from like what remains of her eye and that he they still embrace and that he still kisses her. And then it ends with her picking the knife up off the table, and then you know cutting to black right before she stabs him. Like I think that thematically, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great way to end the film. I think yeah. it's excellent. I, I'm glad you said thematically too, because the, the biggest problem was uh, I, I found the acting and the portrayal yeah, in that sure. scene, like yeah, sure. his. I didn't, I didn't get that, that justification from his demeanor, only from his, like, his lines that he was delivering, so I didn't, I didn't feel like he was, like, drawn back to that place, he's just saying, like, oh, you know, like, she's fresh, she's still going, on, which, like, when he's saying it as, like, almost as flatly as he is, and, like, he's not, like, there's just not as much, like, physical remorse that I'm getting, like, from his composure, like, because he's just an actor on the set, you still want to think he's trying to apply logic because he looks like a person who's still being logical. You don't get the sense that he's being bound... I, I didn't get the sense that he was being bound by some sort of mystery. Well, I mean, force. his logic is just being twisted on itself, you know? he
0: but Yeah, he's trying to it, apply logic to it, know? but we... But,
2: like, mm-hmm. like, they say earlier in the
0: movie, you yep, know,
2: but the burial ground infects people with... That's what yeah. I'm saying. And like,
1: like, this is, like, the psychic, like, the dark psychic fuel is, like, pulling him in towards it, and I don't get that like from his his acting and like sure
0: from his from his, from his performance no it just gets him like
1: poorly rationalizing he's a trash it. Actor, and it not yeah. being the like yeah it's just him poorly rationalizing this decision instead of it being him being pulled there because of this see
2: i don't know if i agree with that part of it because i think his actions speak a lot his line delivery is trash because he's like mm-hmm.
1: we said he's a garbage actor like his, his dialogue but, even says it like like that's fine it's just his delivery of it doesn't sell it and that really that really hurts it for me
2: yeah I guess I, I I feel like for me the action of hit, that happening in the movie says most of what needs to be said on its own.
0: Yeah, I think so, especially considering how when Judd comes to him earlier in the movie and is like, I feel like I'm responsible for the death of your son because mm-hmm. I brought you to the, sim- the the burial ground in the first place, and that once you've been there, you try to find any reason to go back, you know, that it's, it's sort of drawing you in once you've been there. Like, his actions at the end speak that, because he's clearly just seen that bringing his son back didn't do, you know, didn't work the way he wanted, and Resulted in the death of his friend and his wife, but that he's still convinced that if he takes his wife there, that things will be different. Like, it's totally bogus logic, but it makes sense from a grief perspective, and also that he's being acted on by uh, an evil force that is literally... Calling him back to it over and over again, you know, yeah. and that worked
2: super
1: well
0: for me. Uh, yeah, I think it
1: conveyed itself pretty well. I I also did have a problem with I did I liked I like Pascal as an actor, like I've said, his charisma was was solid, and like the again the idea of him like sort of just being there and like his presence, him trying to make his presence more known. Uh, I didn't necessarily like like the cinematography around his character, like
0: like him disappearing and yeah, stuff. Like, Is that what you was, didn't? Yeah, it was.
1: It was fairly like hokey and it it because again it's a very high concept thing like this like this dead person like hanging out and just trying to make himself known in their the reality and when he's saying lines he's saying things that only the viewer can hear and it just like it it would take me out of the film like he 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 almost like it almost feels like he's breaking the fourth wall because
0: he's saying those things only for himself to hear and uh, well he's acting he's acting upon the characters subconsciously they don't necessarily see him we hear what he's trying to say to them but it does but like uh, as spoken almost to us like it was well, like I, well I, honestly it worked yeah for me. i don't i don't have a problem with that either because it's we're obviously the viewer seeing what he's trying to get across but we also see that the people he's addressing don't see him directly but that he's acting upon their intuition and their subconscious and he
2: affects their actions throughout you know like he's
0: but in such a way that it seems like it's decisions they come to himself come to themselves rather than him just appearing as a ghost and telling them directly do this you know which i would have hated like right
1: my it's it's the cinematography and just the application of it that that i have a problem with and like it's the flatness of it it's that he's just sort of like in the shots and like interacting with the characters in the scenes as a as an actor. Oh, I think that's fun. I like that. It's yeah, I, I thought it was fine. It was strange for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it took me out a little bit.
2: Question for you, T, since you read the book. Yeah. Uh, Judd's wife hangs herself in this movie.
0: No, 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 no. That is the. uh, that That's no not sense. Judd's oh, wife. That, was that his is that's in a different house. Oh, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's that's a that's neighbor. like. um...
2: Why did? Why, why was, that was that a thing? thing?
0: Did they explain that, that more in the book? Uh, that doesn't happen in the book. That was something that doesn't work for me either. I that I, was baffling I, for me because it didn't have any rhyme
2: or reason. Well, reason. see,
0: okay, so in the book, Judd's wife is alive for for part of it. She's not dead. Part of the Ellie's first exposure to like. The death of a person is when Judd's wife uh, has a heart attack. Oh, shit. So they needed to have that in the movie, but they didn't give. They didn't actually have Judd's wife be a character. So they just had the maid who's there doing their laundry hang herself because she had cancer. I, I agree. its It doesn't make any sense in the context like, of it, the film. It would have worked
2: better if it was Judd's wife. But I agree. at the same time. It also because, because I thought she, she was Judd's wife because they're, they're always in the scenes like near, near each other, other or together. together you, you know, almost always
1: when we I see don't her. think they're in any scenes so. together. I don't think there's is there, is there even a scene with them
0: together? Them together? She yeah. she only uh, yeah. just shows up to like do laundry and stuff. When are they when are she and Judd in a scene together? Uh we, we see her, her in the house, house when uh they're
2: they're, they're they're eating together. There's, There's no, no payoff, payoff to, to that stuff. No, really. I agree. It's you know, no, it's, it just it's, feels it's so yeah. bizarre. In it the feels movie.
0: it feels shoehorned in. In the book, Judd's wife is supposed to be like, you know, Ellie is the family is you know being continually exposed to death. You know, Lewis has to explain to Ellie like the concept of death, and like her cat dies, and he you know brings the cat back you know, in order that she doesn't have to learn that truth, and Judd's wife dies, so, like, Ellie can be exposed to, you know, the concept of death and what death means, and in this movie, having the maid just hang herself like that, yeah, it's it's a total throwaway thing. Yeah. I, I agree with it you. It doesn't have the same punch it, to it. It doesn't work at um, all. It doesn't work at I all. I do
2: want to talk about the cat, though, just for a second. The cat. Very was, cute cat. Very cute throughout throughout, even as as an evil I know even
0: when it becomes even Um, even when it comes back as a zombie I can't I can't take it seriously because it's it's like such a cute cute cat additionally
2: like the effect for the evil cat where they just like paint on the film yellow eyes I loved it it's goofy and it didn't really it, it was it felt the most dated out of anything any of the effects in the movie I didn't Hate it because it was hokey and kind of fun, but
0: it did kind of throw it, me that, off. That that effect didn't bother me at all because it looked it just looked to me like that they shined a light on the cat's eyes to make it reflective and maybe brightened that a little bit with like with like an After Effects glow or something. Um, and I mean, After Effects is like. An, an effect after the fact, not <laughs> obviously. Adobe after effects, obviously not. Um, but uh, that that didn't bother me too much. I just thought that, like, even when the cat comes back, it's like fur is matted a little bit but it doesn't look like a so evil spooky cute. cat still an extremely cute cat uh, <laughs> i mean i'm a little, i'm somewhat biased because i'm such a cat daddy like i i love cats so much that i i just think all cats are cute but yeah the the cat the cat is uh is goofy but in a fun way like i like i like the zombie cat i think it's fun it's definitely not scary by any means no no, no 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 well fun. i would honestly for me i would say very little in this film is actually scary uh i think the the stuff with zelda is the closest yeah i think that's the scariest that's the scariest, Part scariest of the movie, stuff yeah cuz i i think it's it's one of the least it's, it's extremely dramatized, but I think it's one of the least hokey things in the movie. So I think that's maybe why it works the best for me as a scary thing. but like ultimately I, I don't find this film particularly frightening. Uh, and I think part of that is age. I, I think that it might have been considered scarier when it came out um, and that just some of that that stuff hasn't hasn't aged super well. Um, I think that despite being Narratively quite true To the book that it doesn't Capture the tone of the book as well as I would like but It know. captures the themes very well Which I'll give it props for. Yeah like, to to an extent I, you know, I would agree You
2: know like the idea of it infecting people through grief and stuff like that is very excellently done and you know the ideas of if I would
0: have
1: seen like, grief and loss. acted better I would agree yeah I think I don't so. I, I think yeah. that that would that I mean is, uh, that's a short, generally a yes yeah.
0: I do think like we didn't talk much about his character in this movie but I do I do want to reiterate that I think Fred Gwynn does a really good job um, as Judd Crandall yeah I really he. he's, done that yeah. He's, a, he's a great he's a great character is better. He's, he's got that, that that old that old main accent you, know, you don't want to be stone so, of a you want to you want to be careful of that rod lewis you don't want your kids playing in that rod, uh, <laughs> nice. rod. the soil of a man's heart is stonia uh, lewis yeah, you, you almost want a little bane there. there. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I think he's really better. For you. you merely adopted the pet cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, th- I think he's great. He's for me, he's the standout performance in in the film. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I think he's uh He's a really excellent Judd Crandall, and um, when I was reading the book, like even though it had been a couple of years since I seen the movie, like I just imagined him as as that character. I think he embodies the character so so well. Um, so shout outs and R.I.P. But uh, do y'all want to rate this and move yeah, into the next one? Yeah, uh, I guess I'll start. I
2: think this movie has a great concept behind it the effects are great and a lot of of it works for me it's a little hokey today but i think the biggest shortcoming is the acting in it like we've emphasized yeah. it's just laughably bad but a lot of the the themes and ideas they're presenting are excellent and pretty solidly executed i would say So I would give this movie a three and a half. It's worth checking out. It's not a perfect adaptation. You know, it's not a perfect Stephen King movie by any means. But it's a fun movie, and I think it does a pretty solid job.
0: Uh, yeah, I can pretty much echo that almost exactly. Like I, I think that, uh, if, if you put the, your bias towards spookiness aside and you just go into it, like willing to appreciate the hokiness and the fun, I think you'll have a good time. I think it's a solid film. The acting is by far the, the biggest downside, like outside of Judd Crandall and Victor Pascal, like the. Across the board, the acting is pretty trash, which is unfortunate, but, uh, I think it's a pretty decently solid adaptation of the book. Uh, it doesn't quite capture the same tone, but it does a good job addressing the themes and, uh, you know, giving, giving the same, almost the exact same narrative of, of the book. Uh, it does a good job at that. I'm also going to give it a three and a half out of five. I think that's just about right. Killer Killer effects. Uh,
1: I, I yeah. love I I the effects, the I love the set dressing, dressing and, um, and again, like, as, like, as we've, we've all reiterated, iterated and reiterated, uh, reiterated and the high concept, concept stuff is great, like, like the, 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 the plot is the great, the dialogue, dialogue is fantastic uh, uh, as, as well, well. Um, but, but unfortunately, like, it, it is a character-driven story, and the character acting is bad, um, and so that, that hit pretty hard for me, and of course, the... Really, really the the the, the, the final, final the final fight sequence, sequence with, with the doll, doll like, like with the dad like like, like and just really the those doll shots, shots like, like the fact the that those made it into the final cut are ridiculous to me and um didn't did, did didn't do, do well, did well didn't, well didn't well do well for me at all um uh, i'm going to i'm going to say uh, considering the pluses and the minuses um the the execution i think is what's the most important and that's a three that's a three for me
0: all right, uh, that'll give uh, Pet Cemetery 1989 an average of 3.3 out of five pods. Um, before we move on to uh, the remake, uh, it's time for a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, yeah, so the sponsor to, to, to tonight is brought to you by
1: Shrodongles Cat Box. Having trouble with your cat coming back? <laughs> And it's all undead and shit? Well, don't worry anymore. Put that fucker fucker in Shrodongle's Shrodongle's cat box. Now it's not dead, and also it's dead. And that's all right! (laughs) Shrodongle's cat box, or Shro-diblets, or whatever I called it. That thing. Go get it! It's great for...
0: stuff? (laughs) Sometimes dead is or isn't Better. (laughs) Alright, um, so now we're going to be talking about uh, the brand new Pet cemetery that just came out, uh, directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmyer, who uh, are essentially nobodies from what I can tell. They directed a sequel to Mama, which I didn't even know existed, and uh, some other things that I've never heard of. So, what did you guys think of... Pet Cemetery 2019.
2: Man, I have some mixed feelings about this movie.
0: I do too. I loved it. Interesting. I thought it was fucking great.
1: Front back. I, uh, I have very few complaints about this movie, so I'm just gonna let you guys talk for a little bit.
0: I was I was really excited about the movie based on the trailer. I thought it looked like a pretty solid remake, and uh, it had it had some actors that I liked in it, like uh, Jason Clark as Lewis Creed and uh, John Hi, Lithgow, Lithgow as Judd Crandall. Oh, well, I will say does an excellent job. Yeah, he does a really good job. I, I think I still prefer Fred Gwynn, but I, I think that John Lithgow does a great job. And overall, I would say that I was pretty on board with most of this movie. I think that it lost me in a few very key ways, mostly in the third act, but I thought that the first two acts of the film were pretty solid. It's much less of a direct adaptation of the novel. Yeah, I think that's the biggest
2: problem I had. It felt like they were making a remake of the original movie more than they were trying to adapt the story. Well,
0: yeah, I kind of you know? felt I kind of felt the same way, especially because there were a couple of instances where they directly referenced parts from the, the original movie and then, like, subverted the expectation yeah. in a way that where it's like, like, ah, you you seen the original, you know what's going to happen here, psych! Uh, There's several sequences of the movie
2: where it made me appreciate the the care that was taken in the original a little bit a little bit more for example the uh pascal scene yeah when pascal shows up at the clinic is very horrifying in this version of the movie but it isn't given enough time to gestate and on top of that the pascal Pascal character character feels like he's trying to be sinister sinister, or he sees sees himself himself and almost
0: and almost feels like an afterthought like he has much less of a like direct uh effect on things that are happening in in the film unlike the the pascal in the original and that that i thought was kind of unfortunate because i like the character of pascal in the original i like him as sort of this like creepy yet benevolent ghost and in in this, it felt more like he just showed up a couple of times To be spooky. To be spooky and be like, the ground is sour. And like that was that was the extent of his contribution. And it in in the grand scheme of things, like by the end of the movie, I was sort of questioning why they included the character at all in the film if they weren't going to give him the same importance that both the book and the original film give his character see that's interesting i i really liked it
1: i really liked um pascal first off uh another thing i didn't like about the first one the introductory scene with pascal in the new one um uh is a little bit longer there's a little bit more time to sit in the scene like the, he dies on the table and the dad's like sitting there and he's thinking for a little bit whereas in the original like he's wheeled in the people leave the room and he immediately like grabs his hand sits up and like they have a full fucking conversation and uh, in this one it's a little bit more cerebral it's a little bit more like distant and this was a distance and that, that carries out as you were saying throughout the rest like Pascal's character is much uh, less in the room, room and like, like a, a relatable, relatable guy, guy with a massive head wound and, and he's he's more a, a spectral force who is who is trying to communicate something to them from across the gap and is struggling to and that i I, I found to be to be more um effective he felt like an
2: actual soul in the first one where like with this one it never connected and i actually don't think he they were given as much time in the new one as they were in the original and maybe that's just because of the conversation they have after the fact which i personally like quite a bit because i think it makes it feel more like a connective thing rather than such a disparate element
0: yeah i i think that um, i think that in the original it feels like there's there's a tug of war between like two supernatural forces between like the evil and and pascal you know and the evil is clearly much stronger but that like pascal is like a benevolent helping force that is trying to you know save lewis and his family from the evil and i don't feel that that is the case in the new one and i think that that's somewhat to its detriment because what i what i think is great about the both the book and the original is that the pascal specter tries so hard it feels so earnest but he fails ultimately because he's not quite you know he's not able to bridge the gap quite enough to be direct you know and and in this one it just feels like he shows up a couple of times to repeat, either uh, the barrier is not meant to be broken, or the ground is sour. Honestly, like that's basically in this one, all he, he says. He feels
2: more like an extension of the spooky woods, a little bit, rather than you know someone that's trying to help you know keep
0: them. And what I what I what I like in the original too, which, which is, is also necessary. something they did in the book, is that. Right before he dies, or when he comes back, right after he has died, he says to Lewis, "The soil of a man's heart is stonier." That's the first time Lewis hears that, and that's why when Judd says that to him later in the movie, it gives Lewis pause because Pascal has said that to him, and there, that's not in in this movie, Pascal does not have that line. Judd does, John Lithgow does later in the movie, but I think that it's less poignant, you know, to just have Judd say that rather than to have Pascal say it and then for it to be, when Judd says it later, for that to be a callback, you know, and for that to be like a moment where Lewis feels like, you know, there's some... There's really some outside force so, at work. The
1: so the new, new film, film does the, the same but with a different, different line. And, and I don't – this is one of the situations where I'm, I'm, I'm fairly fair, neutral. I'm, I'm neither here nor there on which I like better. Uh, there, I think there could be arguments made for both. In, in the, 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 the new adaptation, he just says the ground is sour here. And, and that's, that's the line that gives Lewis pause when he's talking, talking to Judd. Jud. Um, so they they still, still, they still still have have that, that, but they they use the different line. They use that the ground is sour. Well, I personally, I like because that, uh, the the reason reason I like that is because it's it's a little bit more direct. direct. It's It's something something that, that the spirit would try to tell you is like, look, the ground is really bad here. Like bad things are going to happen if you keep fucking with this place. Like the ground is sour. Whereas like in the, the first adaptation, like the, the motive is a little weird. Like he's trying to tell him like this very clear thing. The ground is bad. And, and he's being cryptic about it. Why, why, is, he, why is he saying the soil of a man's heart, heart is stonier when he could say, say the ground bad? Man, like, in and in this movie, movie he does. Now, now that, that being said, said, the soil of a man's heart, heart is stonier beautiful. is beautiful. That's, That's a, a really cool, cool statement, statement. And, and, it, and it is very really fascinating. fascinating, and its ambiguity is part of the horror of it which, which is, is the argument for that. For that and it's pro- pro- and it's, so, pro- like it's, it's,
0: it's prophetic too. Yes. Which yeah. which I think is what gives it its its power in the context of the of the narrative mm-hmm. is that you know when when he lewis experiences that He doesn't know what it means, and he's, you know, he doesn't understand, like, what happened to Pascal and how Pascal knows his name. And, you know, that's something that he has to ruminate on. Whereas, like, the ground is sour, the barrier isn't meant to be broken, you know, is, I think, a little bit more. It's a little bit more literal, and it's It's, less. It's
2: blunt, and in kind of the
0: main element
2: that I have a problem with of the movie. It's way, way too literal, and it misses, misses the themes, themes of the movie. You know, like it feels like you're just straight up hitting uh, a, a needle with a, a hammer. hammer. Yeah, you know? I,
0: I I agree because I think I think the line about the soil of a man's heart is much more thematically relevant than than the the literal interpretation of like the ground is bad, the ground is sour, don't break the barrier. It's that's not what it's really about. It's about like what is a man willing to do, you know, in from his grief. You know, the soil of a man's heart is stonier. He grows what he can and he tends it, you know, like that. That is so thematically relevant to Lewis's character. Like, that's why it's a line from the book. That's why that that line gets the focus that it does in the film adaptations. You know, I I think that it's. It's thematically so much more powerful than the literal. I think we get plenty of the literal. I think that that's just not the Absolutely. place for it.
2: And the thing is, like, I feel like this remake captures, like captures a lot of the elements of what the story does, but not the ideas behind in them, In that, especially in the third act, which we'll get into much more in-depth depth in a little bit. bit. But, but I, I think, think, for example, where... The original and the book is about, you know, being able to bring something back from the dead only to have to kill it with your own hands. That idea of getting something back right. only to have to directly be the cause of its demise is so much more horrifying and that is not in this movie, really. Yeah, interesting. 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 I, I agree. I, I, I thought. I mean,
1: with the father like literally taking that into his own hands, face like face when he's choking like, her out, like, like I, I, I thought that was like. like oh, nice. I mean,
2: only to be undone by
0: zombie family. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. It 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 doesn't have a payoff. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ben. I I think that yeah that that is that is what it's about to be driven to do something. So repulsive and vile and wrong, but because you're so grief stricken, you feel like it's the only thing you have to do and you have to then deal with it. You know, the, the soil of a man's heart is stonier. He grows what he can, and he tends it. You know, you reap what you sow. You have sown this evil, and it has come back and bitten you horribly in the ass, and you have to do something about it. But even after you have dealt with it, you're still drawn to make the exact same mistake over again. And That's I'm what I think that the book and the, the first film, film do so, so well that is just totally undone by the. And because Because
2: it's it's missing, it goes from this, this, you know, high concept, concept, very very cerebral cerebral horror horror idea and just becomes a haunted haunted burial ground, ground, you know, insidious standard standard fare fare kind of thing by the end of the third act.
0: It turns into, it turns into like like a a standard horror. Yeah, yeah. it
2: it becomes just boring. It misses the the heart of the ideas they're going at. And because of that, that, it... just just feels feels like a boring, passable movie. And the other thing I'll mention about that is uh, the reason I brought up the the original feeling so mundane is I feel like this one overemphasizes the darkness of its setting and all of that to such an extent that it feels over the top and ultimately flat to me.
1: Yeah, very interesting, because again, I felt like Again, like, the, the ground is sour here is a much more mundane way to, you know, to approach that, I would, I would think, then, to get all ponderous and ooh, soil of a man's heart, whereas, you know, if you're, you're just trying to, like, reach out to someone and say that directly, you would say that. I
2: mean, that right. scene happens in a stormy, evil, dark forest, the dead of night, and all of the main scenes happen in these dark settings and like I mean that
0: that doesn't
2: bother me quite so it, much. It, it makes like, it feel I, more cohesive, but, but it, feels it feels more flat, flat because of it. I that you know? that doesn't that it doesn't, doesn't bother feel me. like the real world. That
0: doesn't bother me too much. Well okay, because it's not it because it's it's the evil of of not the real world, world encroaching world. encroaching yeah, right. on
2: the real world. So in that, that you have to have a an element of the real world world which i don't don't feel like like it had nearly as much because because it was resting on on the laurels of that dark tone you know we we got to emphasize where a horror horror movie never shot
1: i felt like the like the characters like in the family and stuff they brought like a great sense of like reality to it the way that they they approached those scenarios the way they reacted to that evil dark was something that i felt real people you know, were in ways I thought real people would react to them for,
0: for most of the film I agree with you I think we can definitely say that the acting in this film is much stronger and because of that the characters feel more like real people than in the original and I, I think that that's what, what carried it for me a lot of the way like there's, I, I think there are a few too many jump scares in this movie I think that there are a few too many times in the early film where it feels the necessity to get overly grim, dark. I agree with that, but I don't. I don't have a problem with the ultimately darker tone because I feel like it. It captures the the tone of the book a little better. Mm-hmm. But I do think it could maybe use a, a few more moments of of lightness. It like, needs that dynamic, dynamic element. element. Exactly. exactly. You no, know it, it can't, can't just, be just be dark. It can't just be. I, I think, think be, that. Breathy. I think that the. I think that the beginning there's a, a good amount of lightness but it goes away relatively quickly. But even then
2: you know you have the the spooky kids in
1: masks that like yeah, yeah. Never,
2: never mentioned again, but it's just so you can have some spooky imagery, you know?
1: Yeah, like, like I said earlier, like, that made sense, like, in, in the setting. Like, that, that, that fits in that that environment, and it built the town up a little bit more, and it gave us a little bit more to see, you know, like, behind it, it, the, the way the area has been affected by this.
2: It undermines the lightness of the early parts of the movie, though, for me, because it's like, ooh, these are some spooky kids,
0: you know, like... <laughs> from a like visual perspective like it's it's good spookiness i think what the problem that i have is that the pet cemetery itself is not the evil the evil is beyond the pet cemetery is supposed to be a place where like kids bury their beloved pets you know and that like the place where the dead rest whereas beyond the dead fall is the place where the dead walk so like i think that I think that the original film does a little bit better of a job as making the pet cemetery itself a little bit less spooky it's about like what's beyond the pet cemetery you know and and I, and I do think that a little bit of that is undermined in this film by the spooky kids I think I think from a from a visual standpoint like the, the image of these like town children having a procession with a dead dog in a wheelbarrow wearing animal masks and playing a drum like it's spooky it's creepy like from from that from that perspective it works i love the way that the mom reacts to it too
1: where we're like and again she brings some of that that mundane like that real world um perspective into that that dark sequence is like shit the girl is like what, what is that? And she's, it's a procession. And she's like, what's a procession? It's like a, she's, it's like a parade, parade, but... But sh- for
0: bad things. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah,
1: like, but but not for fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So something like I,
2: that. Yeah. I wanted more innocence out of Ellie, though. Like, I feel like we get that really well in the original. Really? In that, you know, she doesn't understand death and why would God take away my pet, you know? I loved Ellie. And where in this one, she understood understood death death so easily easily. well they i think i
0: think 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 the the big big difference is that they they aged her up in this film they made her a little older she's nine in this movie whereas in the book and the the first film she's like seven she's like six or seven she yeah she 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 hasn't been exposed to that and i think that we can use that as a segue into probably the biggest difference of this film from the original is that it is Ellie who gets hit by the truck and not Gage. And so it's Ellie that comes back. And I I like certain things about that a lot. I, I think that they, they don't fully realize the execution by the end and they they sort of just fall back into like spooky scary kids. I I would agree. Like so I think much. I think having okay, a kid that's, that's slightly, slightly older gives you a lot more. Well, because what they what they do is like when they have Ellie come back, she doesn't just like go on a killing ra- rampage immediately like Gage does in the book and the original is that Ellie comes back, you know, and she's she is changed but she's not outwardly violent immediately you know she's asking questions to Lewis like like where am I was I am I dead stuff like that we get the great scene of him like bathing her and like trying to brush the the twigs and dirt out of her hair and the brush keeps getting caught and he like pulls her hair aside and you see like the staples from like the suture marks that that, you know, would be left by the autopsy. I, I, think I think that, that stuff is great. True. And, like, like the scene afterwards where he's so putting her to, to bed yeah, and she's, like, just asking just him just all of these existential questions, questions and then demands that, like, he lie down with her and, like, you can see he's visibly uncomfortable lying down next to his, like, zombified daughter. I thought that stuff was great. And I agree that they couldn't have done that stuff with with uh, Gage being the one who comes back with being like a toddler so I understand the need to make it a little bit of an older kid but I feel like they abandoned so much of that you know not long afterwards that it just left me wanting more of that I would have loved to see more of them like Lewis and Rachel like trying to reintegrate their zombie child into their family and things going awry from there like if you're going to make a different interpretation of the story and take it in that direction. I, I think, think that, that would have been super, super cool. The problem, though, is like
1: the, the mother, mother would never have been good for it that's the the linchpin right right? like well right and we see can't handle death and And so so she she wouldn't wouldn't be able able to try and and we see
0: and we see some of that but let let, let us but let us explore that more let us have the father keep trying to convince the mother and her just not being about it like let's see some time of them like trying to you know be a family again but the mother just can't get past it and then that leads into you know murder and mayhem but it's like instead rachel comes home you know we get the scene where the daughter you know where ellie comes up and lewis is like hug your daughter rachel she's like no i can't that's not my daughter and then it just immediately goes from there into into uh well i mean there's a whole dialogue
1: sequence between the two of them like where they they back and forth about that like where they get ponderous about like the nature of like ellie's situation and her state yeah but it's
0: it's still then it's just one scene right before Ellie you know starts trying to murder them yeah, I, I'm, talking I'm talking about, about like, like let me let me see more of that let me see some more time several days you know like let's let me see Rachel like really struggling to try to love her daughter but not being able to because she knows that it's an abomination let let me see the same for Lewis let me see him trying to really convince her even though he himself doesn't really believe it even though he himself acknowledges that this isn't right but he's lying to himself and to rachel let me see more of that let me see that develop you know if that's the angle you're gonna take then then develop it it just feels like they start to they tease it and then they're just like oh well well she's gonna start trying to kill him now i i agree with you halfway. i think uh where, where I
1: fully, fully agree is, I think, think that that would be fascinating, fascinating to, to, to further divulge, like to, to see more of those sequences uh, un- unfold and to, to see like and, and to, to, to really, really give us some more of like that
0: that family
1: conflict. conflict. Right. I think, I think I think where it comes into tricky is I'm trying to figure out where in the runtime time you could fit. Well, it.
0: well, well that, that that's, that's the thing. You would need to. You would need to. You need to either have a longer film or you would need to have Ellie die sooner and have every. The ending is already
1: too quick. The ending is really the only thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, one of the things I kind of like about about them using Ellie instead of Gage Gage as well is how she kind of transforms into both uh, the, the the neighbors and... Uh, oh, into Judd's, Judd's wife. Yeah. And I, I
0: did like that, and that's where I was like, "That's a little bit more of the capturing, sort of like the ethos yeah. of the villain of the, the Wendigo just... in in the in the book." That's that's a little bit more what I was looking for, you know. Where she like her face turns into that of Judd's wife, and she says, "You know, we're in hell, and we're here to bring you down." It here worked with us, really you know, well like,
2: for that, that scene, scene with Judd. Judd. Right. It didn't it work, work well with, with uh, the, the mom. mom. It felt so nihilistic and flat for me with the, mo- the, the, the mother because in this movie, she's less directly
0: to blame for Zelda dying. No, I she's more directly to blame. Way more. Because in, in the original and the book, she just happened to be, be there. there as Zelda died. In this one, we had the whole thing with the dumbwaiter where yeah, she, she didn't she didn't want to go into Zelda's room, so she put the food in the dumbwaiter knowing it didn't work properly, and Zelda tried to get it out of the dumbwaiter and fell no, it, in and died. She
2: knew it, it didn't always work, work correctly, correctly, but, but she's, she's not, not directly at fault. At
0: she's much she's so much more so than in the original in the original she just walks into the room to feed her and zelda dies and Zelda, you know, has a seizure and dies. That she's is, just she's a witness. She's a witness to it, whereas in this one, Zelda dies because she falls into yeah, the dumbwaiter. She was told
1: not to use the because dumbwaiter, because she used the dumbwaiter, right. and, it, and her so there's, sister died, you know, consecutively.
0: And that's one of the things that didn't work for me in this movie, was fucking Zelda dying by falling onto yeah, the dumbwaiter. No, I thought work. that was it, really it,
2: it, stupid. Yeah, it didn't work that at that was all really for really dumb. And, and, like, like maybe, maybe she had more agency, agency but it still dumb, felt really dumb. dumb. Because it's a dumb waiter. But, <laughs> but also because... <laughs> nice. uh, it felt really uh, dumb waiter. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, well, just because, you know, we get that, that excellent scene, scene in the original where, where we see Zelda, Zelda dying in front of her eyes. Right. You know? And, and that, that is, is what really it's affects better. I her. I agree. You know? I agree. Exactly. And in this one, we, we see... The, the steps step she takes, takes but we only see the, the aftermath, really. Right, there's we no, see her reopening the There's no one-to-one to connection in yeah. the same yeah. way. No, I agree. You know, and I it, agree. it kind of strips so it of that, that, the, that the, the the horror in that relationship. So
0: I agree 100%. For me, first,
1: first off, off, I think, I think that's, that's legit. legit. I, think I think that those are valid. Taste-wise, I disagree because I liked that Zelda was more of a spectral force. That way, right. and, and she, she sort of, of like, was, like and it, it made, made more sense the way that, way that like her, the nature the of the way that she she played, she played off and toyed, toyed and haunted rachel, rachel was was more uh was more spectral, spectral. like we, we hardly, hardly ever see Zelda's, see Zelda's face in this, this in this, this adaptation. adaptation, and, and that, that makes, makes Zelda a little bit more, more um of a of an, an entity of a of a dark being like as opposed to like. Kind of bringing it back to her being a person. She's she's depersonified and sort of made into this monster. Um, I I liked
0: I liked that stuff. I just didn't like the way that and, she died in this movie. Yeah. See, I thought I, that was I thought that was less effective. One of I my think, favorite bits I think is... the portrayal of Zelda in this movie is really good because she does seem very monstrous. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I think the makeup effects are, are really are really good. Yeah. And, really, uh, and like really the, gross when they 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 play up that same
1: panning shot where they pan up the bed to her spine just like, like in the original yeah but in this oh one like there's so, so much more grime and filth like it's really like to use like, the use word again wretched yeah um but, but that was right. great uh i just thought the way she
0: died was really yeah. dumb so the dumb waiter,
1: I, I i liked the dumbwaiter dumb uh as a, as, a, as a i thought it was a cool mechanism a, like, like uh I, I like i i loved i love the the, the the surreal bit where she she opens the the medicine medicine cabinet and looks up the dumbwaiter dumbwaiter and and, uh and closes i thought thought that was a really fun like like, what's the word i'm looking for like not psychedelic psychedelic, but like surreal surreal yeah Yeah, like sequence sequence, thank you. you um uh i i love that like the person falling down at you out of a dumbwaiter was was pretty spooky uh to me that I found that scene to be pretty. Yeah, you
0: know, I think I did, I did really like
1: how when it when she first opened it and there was the hole in the wall. You you leaned over and whispered, "Candyman." Uh, <laughs> that, that was a very Candyman thing. I, I
0: do I do think that the dumb dumbwaiter stuff makes for some cool visual motifs. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I liked the like her opening the medicine cabinet and there being the dumbwaiter behind it. Like some of her her, her sort of hallucinations and like towards the end where like like Zelda is like crawling out of the dumb waiter. Like I think I think visually it's interesting. But, the but I but is- the, the problem the problem is that like it doesn't it doesn't make that connection thematically the way it's supposed to. Because what is part of Rachel's trauma is that she feels responsible for Zelda's death, even though she isn't. She just happened to be a witness to Zelda's death and yeah, she didn't call for help, but she was in shock. And also, like she said, she prayed for Zelda to die so they could, you know, not have to deal with that horror anymore. So it's like, even though she's not responsible, she's obviously not responsible for Zelda's illness. She's not responsible for Zelda's death. She feels like she is. Whereas in the New one she is responsible for Zelda's death and i think that that is i think that that is less poignant because her guilt is actually well founded i think that that her character feeling guilty about something that she's not guilty for is much more interesting than her feeling guilty for something that she absolutely is guilty of you know what i mean there's elements of it that I do like, you know, like having her just
2: here subconsciously, subconsciously her sister. Above, Above her always, just, yeah, and she, you know, I, I
0: like that, I like that she stuff felt her too. her sister was always in the, in the walls. walls. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think that stuff is great, and I, and I think you can still do all of that. Without her being directly responsible for Zelda's death, yeah, I think I think that all of that,
1: yeah. you know, well, it's it's tricky because I still think that she's she's not directly responsible, at least, or at least to blame. Her parents are still responsible because again, they left it okay, yeah, sure, she's to look after her, and of course, the child was scared, so she wanted to try and not. She like, is, like interact uh, with her directly, She so she's putting up the dumb waiter, dumb waiter instead.
0: No, you're right. Like the, like, the,
1: the, the child, child is not, not to blame. And like, Rachel... she
0: is indirectly responsible for yeah. for Zelda's death. I, I agree, yeah, okay. It might not be direct. She is indirectly responsible for Zelda's death, but whereas in the original, she has no responsibility. Like Zelda, she just happens to be a witness to Zelda's death, but feels responsible yeah. for it because zelda made her feel responsible you know and and i i it just doesn't work as well for me in this one that she had any sort of hand in zelda's death whether it obviously wasn't intentional what she did like like i was saying before her in this film her guilt is somewhat well founded whereas In in the original, it's not. She has no reason to feel guilty other than that she's a child and that she, you know, hoped that her monstrous dying sister would finally die so they would be free of that, you know? I I
1: liked it, too, because there's a bit of ambiguity of whether or not Zelda just threw herself down the dumbwaiter. Yeah, because she was already, like, hounding after her and, like, uh, trying to make her to blame. You know, and like she always she clearly like hated her. Whether she just
0: committed suicide yeah. and like, threw herself down the dumb way. I suppose that's possible. The, I didn't yeah. really think about that. The biggest
2: thing that bothered me was the the sequence later in the third act when Ellie becomes Zelda and is just talking shit. Because the the themes weren't hit home well enough in the rest of the movie for me with, with that stuff it just felt overly nihilistic in that, you know, like it doesn't have the same effect of this this grief and that stuff that the original had. It just felt like they were intentionally trying to be as cruel to their characters as possible without warranting it with the story.
0: I don't think I have I don't think I have a problem with Uh, Ellie you know speaking with the voice of the other dead you know like when when she does it with Norma with uh, Judd's wife Norma like I think that works pretty well and even if, with her speaking as Zelda, that doesn't bother me too much. My problem is that we get so much of that bullshit. Like I'm coming, I'm coming to take you to hell. Is like you're not really my daughter. My daughter's dead. You yeah, something evil. Like, like that. That's, that's where true. I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck. We know that. We know that this is an uh, an evil force, you know, acting uh, upon the family. But like, I I don't need. I don't need that kind of nonsense, you know? And especially then to just have it end the way it does with fucking Ellie dragging Rachel's body out to the burial ground. Oh, I hated that. And then them killing Lewis and dragging his body out to the burial ground. Because it totally
2: undermines the theme of the movie, you know? You being uh, forced to keep bringing people back, back to this, this ground because you have a way, way to get, get a second chance against this grief, but it undermines itself because you have to essentially end up killing those per- right, allowing, people Right, Right, allowing
0: them to make the same mistake over and over again, rather than the evil, reincarnated zombie child reincarnating the mother, and then the mother and the child reincarnating the father... I think, I think it, it misses the so, whole point. I, I will say
1: that, that I had a problem with that. I didn't, I didn't mind Ellie dragging in drag the mother there so much? Uh I, I did. I did not like What did the, you see as the, the reason for that? The dad part uh, at, at the, the, the end. end. Um I didn't, I didn't necessarily. necessarily. I um uh, I mean it's I was, the, it's open to it because because the whole the whole premise is that like this Wendigo is is trying to to draw them back to this place. Is trying right. to to do that. And so if it has a a puppet that that is capable of doing doing that than it it would try to when it comes to like the motives of the wendigo Wendigo, like it they they remain they they remain upright like for for that sequence to happen when it comes to the dramatic dramatic themes of it it, like they 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 start start to suffer now Now, that is i think a point of preference um but what i i think is less of a point of preference is that is the dad uh, also, also getting killed, killed there, and it ending with zombie family. family. Also, so less into that as though. well. Um,
2: I mean, like, like if, if you, you want to make an movie evil Wendigo movie, movie, like, do, do it. Make, make one, one, but, but if, if you're, you're just, just going to take, take all the plot points and ideas, ideas of a high-concept idea, idea with a lot of themes, themes like this, like, don't undermine it by just being like, oh, yeah, evil when. Is like, well, okay, so it it
1: will undercut it a lot. The uh, Wendigo amazing. is the high concept.
2: I'll I'll pull. I'll... I
1: don't agree with
2: that at all. I think the high concept is the idea of the burial ground kind of being a vessel.
0: Well, as which is the Wendigo. As 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 the per- only person here who has read the book and knows the source material, I have some thoughts on that. And yeah, go for it. yes, the 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 concept is that there is an evil force that compels your grief to overwhelm you and continue making the same mistake over and over again. But that being said, in the same story, the Wendigo is a legitimate antagonistic force. It is a character. However, it is not, its goal is not to replicate itself and create a whole zombie family. It is to create suffering, which is why it seeks to reanimate the dead and return to its loved ones to make them suffer, which is what I think the, the original film does really well is it is about causing that suffering to the family and creating the cycle of grief that keeps bringing people back to the burial ground and to have the, the undead family members just dragging bodies out to the burial ground. It defeats the purpose of creating that call that, draws people into that evil, you know, to be used by that evil. Just bringing corpses out to reanimate them defeats the purpose of that. It's not about the evil needing vessels. It's about the evil wanting to use and torment the living. And
2: and the The whole whole idea idea there of suffering. suffering... I feel what, like was undercut with the way they, way they did it. Yes, you know, I agree. Like, I agree. There, there, there was, was no, no emphasis of suffering. That, that being
0: said, well, yes, I, I do agree with you. That being in, said, yeah, in that last, in that last, I also, I also think that the Wendigo is underutilized in this movie as well. They directly reference it once. In an exposition scene, the when cool Judd, when Jud yeah, when Judd know, has like a book, you know, of like that just has like a drawing of a Wendigo. Like that's the only time its referenced is like, oh, the woods belong to something else, and they hear some spooky sounds when they're out in the woods. But it's like. If you're going to introduce the idea of the Wendigo, then make it more of more of like a a central thing, you know? Like make it make it that antagonistic force, you know, that is that is calling people back to the burial ground in order to, you know, use them and consume their souls and so on and so forth. Yeah, I
1: think it would have just been a matter of of just having it make some sort of appearance to the father before he was killed ooh, like or something or ooh, creative, I artificial. I don't and I don't mean like it walking into the into the it. set like, like I mean like it being in the background like you not being able to see it or something and just it's it's presence I it.
2: I actually yeah,
1: preferred
2: I the way it. it was used in the original movie just because by not naming it it doesn't, doesn't give us a comfort, comfort of knowing what is causing, causing this in the same way, way. By, by by naming, naming it? it you, you know, you can, can say, "Oh, oh it's, it's just the the, the, the Windigo." You know, this this, this is, is all caused by, by the Windigo. Where whereas. Is in the original it's more esoteric and i, I like that
0: i don't i don't necessarily, necessarily agree with that, that because that naming it doesn't necessarily, necessarily take mystery or power in the same way that uh that naming as a Thoth allows you to understand as a Thoth, you know like lovecraft names his things all the time but that doesn't make them understandable or comprehensible so i don't think that I don't think that giving giving the the antagonist a presence makes it less esoteric. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't know a You know, it's like a giant. But spectral I think being, I think the but...
2: idea of it is scarier than the 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 naming or the the specifics of the antagonist itself in a movie like this.
0: I'm not saying that I want that. I want like to see the Wendigo explicitly Same. Like I said, I don't want to, like, but, I, onto the but shot, I, like I i say. i feel i think that i think that its presence needs to be felt more i yeah. think i in the book you you don't really see it you have a couple of you know instances where like Lewis gets a sense of it but it is it is like it is a force just like the the overlook hotel in the shining it is an evil entity that is capable of reacting on the world around it like in the book when Rachel is trying to get back to Ludlow from Chicago like stuff keeps happening to her on the way that is like directly interfering with her getting back she like falls asleep at the wheel her her car breaks down for no reason you know there's there is a there is an actual force that is preventing her from getting back and helping you know and i think that that's all you need to establish the presence of of the evil and i i wish that that, that had been a little bit better done in in this movie in both movies honestly yeah. but in in the in, in the right. original it's just like a certain a few like instances of like the the ground rumbling and the tree falling down and that weird face and that's just like it's so little i just wish it wasn't in there i would much rather it just be totally ambiguous and open to interpretation but if in this film you're gonna go out of your way to be like mention it to, to be like uh the wendigo it's you know there's the, the woods belongs to something, well, it's something evil, then let us feel the presence of that maybe, more so. Maybe
2: they emphasize mentioning that because there's no Indian burial ground in this movie. Right, yeah.
1: Um, A like, is... wendigo is like still part of like Native American myth. Yeah, no, it, well, it exactly, is. Exactly, exactly.
2: The, the reason I, I mentioned that is because since they don't emphasize that it's an Indian burial ground, like they mention it in another way by mentioning the Wendigo.
0: Well, it's all they say is like, yeah, the local tribes knew that this place was evil, you know, and they fled. Whereas in, in the original story, it's like, this is, this was the, the Mi'kmaq burial ground where they buried their dead. And at some point the ground soured because of the Wendigo and it started to bring back the dead, but evil, you know, so that's when they abandoned it, you know, but there's no, there's not any sort of insistence on that in this movie. It's just like this spooky place that the, the native Americans knew was spooky. So they left, but than to still give it a name. I think it's just it's it's dis, you know, it's disjointed. Like, pick one. Either either go all in or don't. I I think that it it rides too much of that middle Yeah, like I say,
2: if you want to make a Wendigo movie, make one. Don't go half measure with it.
0: Right, well I'm also, you know, saying like if you want to do an adaptation of of this film that is a a bit of a different interpretation of the original, that source material is, the source material of the Wendigo is there. You can can use, like that source material is there and if you want to do an adaptation of the film that hasn't been done before, explore that more. And they, and they just mention it but then they don't that's that's my problem is if you're not going to explore that idea more why mention it and why name it yeah if a, you're if you're it's a half measure
1: yeah i don't i don't see it as, as much of just being like a, oh either make a wendigo movie or don't like it being periphery is great like it you know like it it makes it's it like the ambiguity of it um and that it's it's shapelessness more horrifying in the same way that like for me not seeing zelda's like face as directly like was was spookier to at least get a sense of its presence at the end of the film that's as far as i'll i'll take that that criticism is just that the the film wraps up in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect the wendigo's sorry i bumped the table that doesn't reflect the the wendigo's like motive you know to cause sorrow and uh, especially knowing that having that context now thank you for bringing that to the table T having read the book um, again apologies I, I, I
0: wanted to but there
1: just wasn't time
0: uh, But I mean it was an extra credit thing for me I did, mm-hmm. did it because I felt like it I don't think it's I don't think that despite constantly referring to the book I don't think I, I do think that a film based on a book should be able to stand on its own merits and you shouldn't have to have read the source material oh. to be able to approve Appreciate a film, so I'm not saying that at all. Totally, I'm just you know having read the source material. I, I'm using that as a sounding board for what I wish they had done because they obviously read the source material in order to make the film. Yes. You know,
1: all all I mean is that uh, it's it's a for me it's a, it's a personal preference. Like it's a point where I, I I would I like to have read the source material if sure. I can't have yeah beforehand. totally and I admit totally. that
0: I haven't. But me too, which yeah. is why I read the book. But so. I do,
1: and I fully agree with that too. Like I think a film should absolutely be able to stand on its own legs. Speaking of, sort of like referencing your source material, uh, I did want to to talk about uh, one or two of the times where the film does so. For the most part, in ways that I like, again, except for, for the ending, First off, there's a there's a great line very early on where the husband says he's very glad to get away from the graveyard shift. I thought that was great because the graveyard shift is one of Stephen King's like early, like best-selling short story novels. And it's them saying, like, you know, we're we're trying to do something a little bit different, uh, with, with this adaptation. And I, and I thought it was it it was both a, a very reasonable thing for that character to say at that time, so it felt like it it fit in the world, and also like some fun commentary. Uh, and when
0: later when Rachel's sitting in traffic on the way back to the town she's sitting outside of a a sign for Derry, twenty miles, which is the town where it takes place. Oh, really? And where several of Stephen King's other stories. Oh, that's Dairy is a fictional main town that is the that is the the location of it and a few of his other stories. See, as I well. like
1: I like nods like that because it's it's less of a a hard jab at the viewer to be like, hey, remember this other reference thing or whatever. It's like you can miss it if you're not familiar with the Graveyard Shift, or even if you are, like it it, it just breezes by. It, it feels it feels fitting in the story. Like a sign for a town that's in set in one of the other places. Like, right, it just becomes part of the lore, as opposed to like the you feeling like the script writers are trying to like jam a reference down your throat. Um so I I appreciated those those subtleties. Another thing I liked a lot was the different way that they played out Judd's death in this. I enjoyed it a lot. Like in the same way that like, like a musical cover, it's a tricky line to walk, right? You have to you have to bring your own interpretation to it, but still, like, hold to, like, the...
0: Yeah, I you know, I thought that was I thought that original. was interesting how they, they have him go into his bedroom and they keep seeing you keep seeing the shots from under the bed of his feet because in the original gauge comes out from under the bed and cuts his Achilles tendon. Yeah, and we did see the, like, that,
1: like that Ellie did grab the, the scalpel. Uh, the scalpel. Right?
0: And but to and then to have him like kick the bed aside and she's not under there and ah uh, she's under the stairs, so she gets him then. Yeah, but the cat first, like catches the cat, eye. yeah. And I loved
1: I loved I loved how the cat um, had a m- more of a, of a direct role in this. Like it, uh, the, the fact that it lures Ellie out into the road. Uh, yeah. the fact that like it, it catches uh, um, uh, Judd's attention at the top of the stairs, giving Ellie that, that moment of time. Like that, they're all sort of acting as like puppets for this like horrible
0: creature. I love
1: that. Loved it. Thought it was great. Yeah. No. I. I. And and I think that
0: stuff is really good too. Whole
1: dialogue sequence going down the stairs. Like, thank you. Give me. Give me something like that can. That can be sort of ponderous. Let me. Let me think about this stuff. Uh, like, give me some. Some cool lore. Like when she's talking about like how long she's suffered in hell. This idea that even though she was only dead for a couple of days, that she's been like suffering eternally. Um. And that's that's part of what's made her like so horrid and sort of a. a they sort of made her like a crafted puppet for this this personified anguish. Oh
2: man, I I actually didn't like that personally. I think it tells too much to the audience directly, leaves too little to the imagination, and I feel like it's overly nihilistic.
0: I don't feel like it's literal either, like the this entity is about causing suffering. I think that it's saying whatever we'll to the most. that will make him suffer. That's, that's why, that's like, in, that's why, like, in the book, like, Gage is is saying to Judd, like, your wife is getting ass fucked in hell. You know, like, it, it's just like the most wretched shit you could say. It's it's trying to cause suffering, and that's why Ellie, you know, takes the face of Judd's wife. You know, when when she's saying these things, like, there is something beyond death, but it's hell. And Ellie and I are down here and we're coming to drag you down here too. You know, I don't think, I don't think that that's, that that's uh, literal, but it's, it's supposed to, it's, it's about causing horror and suffering, mm-hmm. you know?
1: And I loved I love how Judd denies it and he goes for his gun again. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, because he has experience, he knows the power of, of, right. the, the, he, of the place. He would do that. And it's, and, also, and it's they, a fun way. They, they to don't, like... they don't get into it in, in this movie, but like, in, in the original and in the book, you know there is there is the Timmy Baderman, you know the yeah the the kid who got brought back before when Judd was a young man and like they got a posse together and like went and burned him, you know. And Timmy Baderman is referenced in in the in this film, but as if, like, those events did happen, but, you know, we don't get Judd's flashback perspective. But I think that, you know, you can assume that it, it probably did happen. So he knows, you know, he knows what he's dealing with. So, yeah, he he denies the evil up till the end.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I liked how uh, the father, what's his name? Lewis. I liked a lot how Lewis uh, isn't told that story by Judd. Instead, like, he kind of, like, flits across it like when he's like looking through some newspaper articles, like some old like ones, he's yeah. trying to figure out like what what's the deal with this this uh, this pet cemetery, and he you know does the, the usual like Google search. So he doesn't really like have an opportunity to to take in that that data in the same way, which makes his motive I think for bringing Ellie like back to the site so much better. If your 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 buddy, who's the only person who has explained the rules of this place to you, has sat you down and said, "Hey, every time something's been buried here, it's come back really horrible," right? It makes it to a degree like it also happens in this. Like I think it works. I think that
0: works thematically though is that there's that irrationality to being told that such and such is bad for you, but your own your own grief and emotion is unwilling to to accept that and also that there that there is the sort of hypnotic power of the burial ground you know influencing him you know it's, it's like it's like if you're if your buddy is in a bad relationship it's like you can tell your buddy however many times like hey this relationship is bad for you like this is toxic but like they're not going to figure it out themselves until the shit hits the fan you know that's kind of how I how I see it in, in the original with Judd telling him like, hey, straight up, this is what happens, and Lewis still being like ah, uh, but maybe this time it won't be so bad, right? you know
2: well, the denial and the conscious decision, in spite of knowing what's going to happen, to keep doing it, makes it all the more tragic, and it, it emphasizes the themes so much better than just not completely being conscious of that stuff in the same way.
1: My issue is that in the original I lost all sympathy for him like when he like sort of defies like all the logic because everything he understands about this this scenario like this this place is that everything comes back is bad is evil whereas there's there's a little bit of ambiguity left there's a little bit of a hate but maybe not and that that's the difference for me between like a friend in a bad relationship and like having them figure that on their own and a friend who's like eating glass you know (laughs) like or doing or just drinking gasoline it's like well that that i can't help you with like i I lose sympathy at that point and i lose sympathy for lewis like at that because there's no way to even attempt to rationalize it whereas in this film like we see his whole process of trying to rationalize it up until it is his undoing And that was a little bit more real for me, and I was still able to sit co-pilot with him in the narrative up until then and feel those things myself. Uh, as opposed to sort of having to, again, kind of unstrap myself and be like, well, that was, you know, like, I'm not sure if I would, you know, agree with that decision.
2: In, in this one, since he's not completely knowing in the same way, it makes him feel more like a victim, and it removes some of his agency in a way. That feels like it's less of his undoing, his own undoing, and more of this evil supernatural entity being the
1: cause of it and outright right well the cool thing about it is like and it's why I, i think this this movie doesn't just outright do it like everything he still hears is bad about the area but it's it's just subdued a little bit you could still like make that that point of theme in this context for him still making a bad call with this like and it's still being something that that drives him towards it like that i think that that theme still holds because again like he does come across the article about it is whatever else like that it's less heavily handedly like thrown at his face where in the first film it's it's much or it's much more like things are bad here don't do it whereas this there's there's a little there's just enough but he's, he still doesn't know like or he still he still does probably know
2: but I think this movie explains it more directly in, like, mentioning the windigo and things like that. It's more unclear about the rules behind it. They explain some of the possible causes more directly. Where in the, the original movie, they explain the rules more clearly, but the causes less directly. And I think that works better for me.
1: Mm, interesting, yeah. It's definitely the opposite. I think for me, because like having the rules explained to you and not the cause is 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 problematic like from a from a motive point. But if you have the cause explained but not the rules, you can still play it up. Like, oh, there's something there's something like beyond in this area. Like they're they're the like the, the the Native Americans referred to it as a, as a, as a Wendigo, but, but maybe it's something else. Like, yeah, he shows them like a, you know, like a, a drawing of something, but, you know, clearly it's something more than that. And he can, he can say, okay, well, there's something going on here, but what that is, it's not necessarily a Wendigo. It could be something else. It could bring my kid back, you know, but like it's so clearly a giant, dark, horrible force. You know, whereas just saying, Hey, we bring things back here and they come back bad and he's he's like, Oh, cool, I'm gonna bring my son here. Whereas like in that he's like, Hey, there's still a chance I could do this, and again it plays into that whole like psychosis, and there's a great moment where Judd is like rocking back and forth by the fire like like as he's passing out from being drugged recently. just
2: immediately um, that
1: was a weird scene in uh, my well opinion. there's a cut i think that there's like some time that does pass between the two um and we don't know what he's drugged with the scene right before
2: is when his family leaves and just immediately he goes over to Judd's and
1: well there there's some time him. that is that is said to have passed between those i those mean events. he like they Judd I mean, the specifically
2: mentions too. that he saw the family leave earlier that day
1: so it was like that night yeah but from the kid's death sorry i thought that's what you were talking no
2: about. Oh, no my. i the quickness that that happened did not work for me and but also the family
1: leaving and him going over to judd because like he, he and immediately
2: he, drugging him yeah well because
1: like as soon as the daughter died like he knew what he needed to do and he knew judd wouldn't be okay with it so like no time needed to pass right like what what would time passing serve I mean, why even
2: talk to Judd at that point, you know? Like, if you don't mention it and just do it.
1: Because Judd was always watching. Like, like, and Judd, he knew that Judd knew that it just he, he, felt he was going to go try and do it. So that's why Judd was sitting outside. Man. That's the whole reason that Judd was sitting outside, right? Like, is he was, you know, like, kind of keeping an eye out because he didn't want him to go and resurrect his daughter. That's why he drugged him, because he knew that Judd would be a problem.
0: I think I would have liked to see him agonizing about the decision a little bit more just his immediate willingness to do it is a little bit and and then once again like that's that's coming from from the book like with the rules being laid out he knows he knows that it what he's doing is not going to work he knows he knows it's going to end badly and he he rationalizes and he's like he's like ah shit well i'm at least going to try it and then if it doesn't work well then i can just You know, like kill Gage again and put him back in the cemetery and no harm, no foul. But at least I got to try. Ah, you know, but it's just like to have him just like just go do it just immediately. I think that that that's a little bit less effective. I don't have a problem with the rules being explained because I think that his decision to do what he does, even though the rules are so clearly explained is is what makes it interesting. Yeah, there's it's, that it's, agency. It's that theme, the soil of a man's heart, like he he knows that it's not going to end well and even after he kills Gage, he knows that taking Rachel to the the burial ground and burying her isn't going to end well, but he does it anyway and that's why i think is is way more interesting and i think that this film misses that point and it does make it be make him be more of like a victim of circumstance especially when it just ends with zombie family and with the zombies taking them you know back that's why
2: it feels so nihilistic to me because it feels like they're all just victims of circumstance rather than being active participants in it when they're actively doing this in spite of what they have been told will happen, it becomes more tragic because they can't help themselves from doing it. When it's an evil force acting upon them the whole time, you know, they're
1: simply victims. Personally, I, st- I still got that turning point with with Lewis where he's had enough, like, realization, like—or uh, he's, he's had enough— information presented to him after ellie has been brought back that this was a bad call and he still like is in denial about it he still asks judd to leave like when judd comes to ask him like that's after ellie like ellie is like thrown a bunch of shit on the ground and is like kind of started to make well, it yeah, very apparent he, that like, he she's thinks, a, she a demon
0: he thinks he thinks he can fix it right he was he's saying earlier we don't
1: that get that enough be. of
2: uh him trying to fix it you know trying to assimilate her back You know, they abandoned that, and because of that...
1: But we still got more of it than in the original.
0: Well, yeah, because they're taking a different approach, and and not just having the the child come back and immediately start killing. They're introducing a different approach that they don't follow through on. And I think if
2: they had done that, it would have given some agency and some tragedy to that, because, you know, it's... It is them actively working in spite of knowing, like, the the rules of this are pretty clear at that point. Whereas, as it is now, like, he does have that moment of somewhat regret after the fact, but the action of doing it, there was no, you know, second-guessing, really. You know, he
1: just did it. I mean, I I think there's still a great deal of second-guessing. Because uh, again, yeah. like I said, yeah, so, like I said, like still, all the information that's presented to him is this is a malevolent place, and this is probably a bad But idea. the
2: rules aren't clear. He doesn't understand that it's a malevolent place in the same way. I think he
1: does. Like he goes there, and there's like the place is entirely terrifying. Like there's like the lightning in the sky, and again, like the Wendigo is is played up like to him. The information that is presented to him is exclusively. But bad.
2: even as you were saying, you know, we understand that it the Wendigo might be at play. But we don't know what that means, mm-hmm. you know? He doesn't know what that means, so, like... He knows that it's bad, though. He does know that. He doesn't necessarily know that going he's up there is...
0: It, he's told that it's bad, but he doesn't have any reason to to really believe it. Like, the cat comes back, and the cat's kind of a shit, but other than that, you know, he... he he just knows that it brings back the dead and it might be a spooky place but he's a doctor he's an irrational he's a rational thinker so it makes sense for him to try to explain the the badness away whereas in in the original story he can't really do that it's it there's no way to rationalize it his rationalization is inherently irrational but he's being drawn there you know by by a supernatural force Mm. and and i i just think that that's not addressed as intelligently in this new movie i just
1: think that the concept of reanimating your own child is enough i think that's enough to be terrifying you know, like it was. For I mean,
0: a, yeah, sure it is, you know, but like who alive doesn't wish that when one of their loved ones dies that they could bring them back, you know, like it's I, I think it's. But in what state, you know, and like and that. Well, right. And that is made clear. To and that's that's that is the that is the horror of this is that is that you can bring them back but exactly in what state but i mean a cat is also not a person you know the cat so, comes back and it's got a it's got a bad attitude you know but i i don't think he he really understands like the ramifications of burying a person up there and to not get any of that i i don't think it makes his decision to do so as horrifying as when he's told explicitly, or tragic, tragic, when he's told as explicitly, like, like, this is what happens if you bury a person up here, this is what will happen, it's been done before, and this is how it ended, and for him to be like, uh, that does sound shitty, but maybe it'll be different with my kid, you know? You know,
2: and he's blinded by grief, you know, like, obviously... (laughs) you're gonna do that in spite of knowing what happens and that's what makes it tragic because he's so blinded by his grief you know and
1: suffering i think that in this version if he had been aware in the same way fully of the rules and he had taken ellie back up there that the sequences after with ellie that we did like that we want more of like wouldn't have been as effective because we can't relate with him as directly i wouldn't be able to put myself in his position as as easily i wouldn't be able to sit co-pilot with him again if he'd made like those irrational decisions i would have found that less effective i think as i found it less effective in the original film no y'all didn't y'all y'all found it more effective because of it being an irrational decision and i think that's where our point of taste differ and I think both are valid.
0: Yeah. No, no, no I think you're right. And uh, and I think that we're starting to go in circles a little yeah. bit. The last thing I want to talk about, okay. unless there's something else you no, wanted to cover, no, no. Uh,
2: is the very ending with Gage um, in the car. Oh, yeah. I... I just wanted to say, like, I really disliked how that ended with, you know, the three zombie family members coming up to the car and it just ending especially when the first shot of the movie is like the empty car and just the bloody house I feel like it's so unnecessarily nihilistic and cruel and doesn't do anything for the themes or ideas of the movie it's just to punish this kid
0: I think that it, it thematically misses the point and that's why I don't like it. Mm. I, I like the last shot, like where the the family is walking towards the car and the cat jumps up on the hood and like looks in at the kid and is like is like licking its its chops. I like that shot visually. I think it's I think it's it's striking. Uh thematically the the zombie family thing just like totally misses the point of the film and I think it's I think it's a, a dumb, bad ending. Uh so I'll I'll agree with you there a hundred percent. It's it really is like the
1: last like two minutes of the film. You know? The dad dies and the family goes up and it's I agree. Did not like. It. Looked great. Uh, like you were saying, cinematography is excellent, like in the, in that sequence. Um, but no, I I agree, and I, and I do feel it did largely sort of miss miss the point, and it didn't it didn't carry it all the way home with that last part. I think that slinging a baby doll around in a fight scene is worse, but I do think that <laughs> this scene is is that that sequence is not great and it is by far the worst thing about this film you mentioned that you you'd preferred ellie i think in the previous film um i i loved ellie in this movie i i, I thought
0: she was i thought this the, this actor was much better in this I, film. I thought she was
1: great and and her uh and uh, another cool cool point that that immediately won me over with her was when she's the one who notices that pet cemetery is misspelled i thought that was quite fun and then from there on out like she continues to talk like a person does her dialogue is very believable, like, for a kid that age. There's several interactions with her and her dad at the beginning that are, like, that are very legitimately heartwarming. And considering that I knew the direction the film was taking, and it still kind of, like, stopped and maybe like, oh, that's really sweet. Like, that's a really nice moment. Like, was, I think, a testament to, like, how well they set that up at the beginning.
2: I mean, the problem I had with it was because they set her as a slightly older character, there wasn't as much naivete to her character, and therefore, because of that, the innocence wasn't quite there in the same way. It was still heartwarming, and she was still a good actress. But as a whole, it doesn't have that same weight in a lot of ways for me.
1: Interesting. Because, like, how old was she? Like nine. Nine. I think I she queen, dies on her innocent. ninth birthday. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, like, that's that's still, like, supremely innocent.
2: But, like, the, the ideas of not knowing how death works and stuff like that is what I meant by that, okay. you know? Like, it's that naivete. It's not understanding all of that stuff, you know, and having to have it explained in such a way and they do an explanation scene in this movie but it doesn't work in the same way for me Really, because it it feels like she understands it more easily
1: well because like she's already aware of like yeah like you're saying like she's already aware of death
2: exactly exactly
1: but also like that's because she's not just being used as a mechanism whereas in the first film that's all her character is she's a reason for them to talk about death you know and then she goes away Whereas in this movie, like, I mean, she's so much more than that. And in that sequence, like, her her purpose is to serve something different. And it's it still spikes that conversation of, of, of death and uh, and about suffering. And it becomes more about suffering than it is just death itself. Which, again, is, I think, even more inclined towards the... Yeah, the...
2: I, I think it would have worked better if she was more naive about that stuff, though. If they had emphasized the, the naivete and the innocence in her youth and not understanding the world in the same way it would have made that stuff hit home for me
1: more interesting i think i think that that age is such a hard time because like you're you're beginning to understand it but don't have all the pieces which is what that conversation was and i think that 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 is for me more impactful because you have like as opposed to just being like what death? It's a little bit deeper than that. It's it's actually getting into the nuances of death and what happens after death, and she's able to have something a little bit more philosophical of a conversation with her parents that spurns a more philosophical conversation between just the two of them, as opposed to just what is death and that being the conversation. I think it's a little bit deeper. Like it's a little bit you know they can they can discuss more more things. And they can get into the root of suffering a little bit better.
2: I guess, yeah. I don't want to dismiss what you're saying because I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. I don't want to make it seem like I was dismissing you there. I, I can see where you're coming from there.
1: And I can see where you're coming from there too. Like like a, a child that does not even comprehend death sort of being brought into that environment and becomes an agent of it is fucking terrifying. Like you're you're right, you know, also like I and I agree with that. And again, that's why I satisfy with for me.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that's part of the problem with, uh, really not necessarily the problem, but, the best but, but part of, views. but part of the, the challenge when you're, you're making Ellie be the one who dies and comes back rather than Gage, because Gage is like a toddler, he's truly innocent, he has no concept mm-hmm. of death whatsoever, where Ellie is starting to have to understand death, and in this movie... Like she has an idea of death. she has encountered death before, but she doesn't under she like she still has questions about what happens afterwards, and then she experiences that firsthand as the one who dies. so i you know I think it's it's kind of inherent to to remove some of her naivete in order to have her play the role that they need her to in this film. And I, I think that that opens the door for some really interesting concepts that they start to hint at, but, but they then, don't explore. But then them. the, but then the yeah. problem is that they abandon at the end for zombie family and slasher movies. I, I, I movie. actually well, agree. This, I the, think the movie ends. I, I, think, I
2: think I I absolutely <laughs> agree. I, I think if they would have explored that more, I would have been way more forgiving of her being yeah. less naive as a character. I think I can The agree thing with is, that. because they don't do that enough, it leaves me feeling flat about it yeah i think you know I think, there's not that emotional weight in the same way
1: yeah i think i think it's just zombie family
0: yeah it man it it man, it, 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 it damages so you know. so much of the good parts yeah. of the film for me um i'm gonna go ahead and rate oh, yeah, because go i think for we've we've, re- yeah. we've come full circle um Honestly, I think that this film does well the things that I didn't like about the original, i.e. tone and acting, but the problem is is that it doesn't do well the things that I liked about the original, which is like themes and and bigger picture and concept I think that I think that, that is where it find it's wanting so it's weird it's like the reverse of the original where like it it fixes problems that I had with the original, but then creates new problems that the original does properly. Um, I, I think that the acting is so much better across the board in this movie. Largely, a lot of the dialogue is better written. I think that it does away with a lot of the hokiness and, and has a, a, a more darker, serious tone that matches the book more, but it's just like, man, it really misses a lot of, of the, the really important themes that I think make the pet cemetery story so good. Uh, that being said, I don't think this film is boring, like, I was I, I had some problems, and there were some things that made me groan, especially at the end but I was fairly well entertained you know, through the entire time that I was watching the movie you know, it wasn't a slog so I think that ultimately I have I have I a I got a positive impression from this movie, it just left me wanting but in different ways than the original left me wanting, I'm gonna give it a 3.5 out of 5 I, I think that uh, it's it's a solid film, but it, it, it man it it fixed problems and then created new ones, and I think that that is really frustrating.
2: Yeah, well, I'll definitely mirror that. You know the the acting in this movie is just miles miles better, better. and the characters <laughs> I think are better original. because of it. And I would agree. And the the biggest issue I have with this movie is because they miss. The point of the concepts and themes, it feels more like a hollow remake of the events of the, the first movie than it feels like a, an adaptation of the source material. It, it feels like it just imitates a lot of times more than it tries to convey ideas for me. And I think it it feels really hollow because of that. Additionally, it feels very nihilistic and meaningless and flat because of that. I really had a problem with the whole third act in particular. The movie worked better uh, in the first two acts before that for me. You know, it wasn't perfect. Some of the things like the Pascal stuff didn't work quite as well, and I wish they had more dynamism in the setting and tone of the movie so when the dark moments happen they feel you know more contrasted to everything else and feel more emphasized in their darkness honestly at times this movie just felt like a a haunted house insidious version of the events of pet cemetery more than it felt like a true adaptation of the, the concept that's that what they were going for uh especially with the Stephen King material so I I was kind of disappointed with it it still has awesome effects awesome acting but I was underwhelmed so I'm gonna give it a two and a half out of five
1: I enjoyed this movie uh it's hard to say front to back um again the 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 thing the 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 one thing that really did it for me was last the last two minutes the dad dying in zombie family like the the last sequence um was was really the only thing that i personally had a problem with the rest of the film i um thoroughly enjoyed it also another thing i di- i didn't mention too is i i loved the um the sound design and the uh the scoring was awesome there's some really cool there's a really cool sequence where he's like i think i think it's when he's digging up his daughter like there's a really cool like bass line anyway uh point is uh the acting's incredible uh it's it's character driven i enjoyed that for me it was it was pretty fucking awesome except for missing that last step at the very end and i think that's the only thing that misses the themes i think the rest of the film hits the themes quite well personally i'm gonna give it a four because i thought i thought it was fan-fucking-tastic except for that last part and so keeping it from from being a five uh so that's my that's
0: my part well funnily enough that still averages out to exactly the same as the original <laughs> 3.3 out of five pods for uh, the oh, remake of pet thing. cemetery. Um, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, go check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, hit us up on, on Twitter at pod people pod and, uh, uh, give us your thoughts. Which one do you like better? Which one, uh, works better thematically? Uh, you know, we Engage did, with us. We did bet on this movie. We did. I we did.
2: Emphasize. I'll start with the the box office for opening weekend. Uh, Tease, you predicted forty mil uh, opening weekend box office. Uh, Cleveland, you predicted fifty mil and i said 38 mil the true answer was 24 and a half mil
0: wow small oh god uh, we all overshot but you're closest yep
2: i i won that and uh for the rotten tomatoes tc said 70 uh cleveland you said 85 and i said 66 uh funny enough that kind of mirrors our actual opinions on yeah. this movie. The current <laughs> Ron Tomato score is fifty-eight. Alright, well you got that one too. So I I was closest to all one there.
0: Next week uh it is we're bringing one out of the vault. Um, It's an episode on the new guest or the recent guest bar. No film uh, climax uh, that Ben and I went and saw and uh, we recorded an episode on this a few weeks ago. So uh, y'all are going to be getting that next week. It's a a little bit uh, shorter, more casual episode with just me and Ben. And uh, after that, the week after, uh, we're probably going to be doing uh, Hellboy, the new Hellboy, potentially the originals as well. Um, so yeah, follow us for, for that. Uh, keep, keep your eyes peeled. Like I mentioned before, um, follow us on social media at, uh, pod people pod on Twitter, uh, letterbox.com slash pod pod for the list of all the films we've talked about on the show, our ratings, uh, links to those reviews, shit like that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. And I'm at Mr. Sheets. And I'm tweeting for uh, at uh, Light Arc Studio uh, for
1: it stares back stuff. Yeah, you know by the, the time
0: by the time this episode comes out. Uh, our discord should be live and there should be a link to play our alpha of our, of the prologue for it stares back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you are interested in playing the game, you should be able to do so, uh, by checking us out on Twitter. Um, and there will be a, a link to the discord from there. Um, so yeah, do the thing. Uh, and, uh, we can finally see what we've been working on and plugging for all of these months. So that's very exciting. Super fucking exciting. Uh, where can they find your art, Cleveland? Uh,
1: you know, you can find that shit on ArtStation. Type in, uh, something along the lines of ArtStation, uh, either Iron Prism or, uh, Cleveland Mosier, which is me. You know how it is. Yeah. Check out that spooky, scary art. Yeah. It's good shit. And, and so not spooky, scary art, what well, with American Fugitive and all the rest of oh, it. Oh, yes. Too. Also yeah. So I, I got it for everybody, man. We got we got art for days. <laughs> bring it on. True story. Go check it out.
0: All right. Well, thank you as always for listening. Tune in next week for mine and Ben's thoughts on Climax. And, and I will uh, be
1: spookily listening in the corner. I won't be <laughs> there, but I will be
2: He'll be there. there. He'll be the Pascal of the episode. You'll be there in exactly.
0: spirit. All right. Well... Until next time, clean the dirt out of your hair. (laughs) Bye.